Welcome to the Dave Chang Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network, presented by Major Domo Media. A little over a year ago, I did a, a micro-podcast the week after Anthony Bourdain passed. And it's not something I ever thought I would ever talk about and be open about my own mental struggles, my battle with depression. And I'm still shocked that I let it out in the world. But if there was one benefit, I, I think that one podcast and the subsequent one that I did with Bill Simmons and David Cho, where we delved a little bit into mental health and growth and sort of reclaiming yourself, has been two of our most listened to podcasts. And we have received probably more emails and messages and direct messages from those podcasts than anything we've ever done. And I continue to get messages from people I've never met before that say that, you know, it helped them to realize that they need to take the first step and that's acknowledge they need help. And the second step is taking the leap of faith in talking to someone and getting professional help. And the messages that have been the most troubling are not from the people that I have never met before in my life, but they've been from the people in my universe and friends and colleagues that I'm very close to. And to see their struggles and to hear their struggles has been incredibly difficult to stomach. I don't know if it's an epidemic in the world. I do think it's... I don't know if epidemic's the right word, but my God, it seems a lot of people in the culinary profession are going through some awful shit. And I don't know what to do. Um, if there's one pattern in, in a lot of the asks is, how do I get help? And I can't tell you enough of how difficult it is to even come to that realization that you need help. Because in my experience, and I can never speak, and I never want to speak on the behalf of anyone else that's going through a bout of depression is I found it to be just through my talks with friends that have experienced it, is that depression, the, one of the first things that happens to do is just like rob you of your will to understand like that anyone will want to hear anything from you. And simultaneously, while it erodes your confidence, it increases your selfishness. Because you have no more relation to the world at large, you have to sort of place yourself at the center of every problem. And then all of a sudden, you become the center of every situation. Everything unintentionally starts to revolve around you and things get distorted. And uh, having been there myself many times, it's hard to know that anyone would want to help a person like yourself going through some struggles. And that's fucking hard, man. And I want to let you guys know if you are going through something that you're not alone and that you have to hope for a better day. I wish I was better at articulating it. All I know is sometimes that is the most impossible belief that you can get better and that there's someone out there that might help you or listen to you, but you cannot get better on your own. That's the only thing I do know. This is not a, just because it's happening to you and it feels as awful as it does, does not mean that you are the only thing that can sort of remedy the situation. You can't do it cold turkey. Um, I'm Probably you can. I'm not saying you can't, but it's not a solo endeavor. Nothing is. Nothing is a singular achievement in this world. And the hardest thing to do is to not just recognize you need help, but then to ask for help. And I guess I'll briefly just talk about that. That's very difficult in and of itself. If you are so fortunate enough to have health care, how do you navigate 
the bureaucratic red tape to figure out the right psychiatrist, psychologist, or therapist. Or maybe it's a combination where you see a therapist and then you drop by and pick up a prescription from a psychiatrist. And, you know, just the, it seems like our healthcare network is not really acclimated or designed for mental health yet. Hopefully that's changing. And if you don't have healthcare, what do you do? And oftentimes you don't want to tell your friends that you're going through stuff and you don't feel inclined to talk to a hotline. And I'm just telling you, man, there are many ways for you to talk to someone, whether you like an anonymous session or you want a group setting or you want to talk to a medical professional. All I know is this, guys, you should talk to someone. And if you're in that sort of despair, it's impossible to find the muster, the courage to do that. And that's where I would say, if you're listening to this and you don't have problems, but you know someone that does, and it's a friend of yours that you can sort of know because they've had bouts of it in the past, simply call them up, ask them out for dinner, take them out for a drink, and just say, is everything okay? You got their back. That's going to go a long way. It's going to go a long way to know that they're not alone. I'm not really comfortable talking about any of this stuff, mainly because I don't want anyone to think that it's a prescription for success. All I know is it's a lonely, terrible feeling, and there are multitudes of ways to navigate it, and all of them are scary. You just have to find something and have the grit to sort of get out of it and talk to someone. And if you're lucky enough to have healthcare, try to find a professional that's going to be comfortable. You're going to be comfortable with. I mean, maybe the best way for me to again to not talk about anyone else is to talk about myself. So it's really hard to navigate. Uh, years ago, I, I tried to navigate online, and and I saw three psychiatrists before I saw my own the one that I've seen now since 2003. And I just never felt right. It sort of felt like I was talking to people that had no idea who I was, what it was like to be Korean American or younger. Or I was really leery of one psychiatrist that just was like, it's all medicine. You know what I mean? Like, it just seemed to me that it was pills. And um, man, that was a long time ago. And it was scary. And I can't even tell you what compelled me to go through all this stuff. And without going too deep into mine, the one conversation I've had with a couple of my friends, and if you are listening to this, I can't force anyone to do something they don't want to do. And a lot of my people that I talk to, these friends that I have, they complain about taking medication. They don't want to do it. I can think of three people right now that refuse to take medication. Their doctors are telling them to do it. I'm telling them to do it. And I, I've learned with myself that you can't force someone to do it. They're going to have to find their own, on their own volition, take it. And I can only hope that they see that taking it doesn't mean that they're weak. Taking it doesn't mean that something is terribly wrong with them. It just means that we still have this terrible taboo and stigma attached to mental illness. And the fact that if you take pills, you're a crazy person or you're weak of mind. Guys, it's a chemical imbalance, and it's something that I'm not equipped to talk about because I'm not a medical professional. All I know is from my experience, a combination of therapy and medicine, I don't know if I'm here today. Man, I just want them to take their pills. I want them to not be afraid of it and want them to embrace the fact that it's not the only thing that's going to help them. The thing that's going to help them is to talk to someone about their problems, 
and to not fucking do it cold turkey. Maybe the best way is just to tell everyone what I have. So I have bipolar depression. I've been diagnosed with it since I was 26 years old. And to this day, I'm not quite sure if it's bipolar one or bipolar two. I've had bouts of mania, but mainly when I have a form of depression, uh, when I am in depression, it is uh, the dark and gloomy kind. And it's hard to get me to do anything, which is, again, something I talked about on the first mental health podcast. I, I really force myself to work. Work is my drug. And I'm finding it really hard to not work right now because I have a son now and I have to be present. So I'm going through sort of hell because I'm pushing myself harder than I've ever pushed myself. And I know something's got to give and I can't work this way anymore, which is why I've tried to make some changes in my life, stepping down as CEO and such. But I know I have to change certain things about how I work because one of the reasons why I work is even if I am depressed and I can't get out of bed, the work and the responsibility to others forces me out of bed. It forces me out of my sort of hole. And work is my, my drug. But I'm in the process of trying to figure out what's new. I'm also in the process with my psychiatrist of having a talk. And we've had this discussion for about a year and a half, at least, about changing medication. I've been on 450 milligrams of Wellbutrin, time-release Wellbutrin, since 2004, mid-2004. There was an 18 to 24-month stretch right around the opening of Washington, D.C., Momofuku, and Nishi, where I was off it. And that was, that was mania for me. I only realized I was off it after about two years of making some horrible business decisions. And when I'm in that state of mania where it's just, how should I say, everything seems possible. Everything seems lucid. Every idea is like the juiciest, most ripe fruit humanly imaginable and that they're all there to be picked. Everything can happen. And man, it must be hard for everyone else in my circle of life to deal with me when I'm that like that. It can be incredibly irritable. But for the most part, it's just pushing and pushing and pushing and realizing that you can do a lot of different things and your ideas just seem so good. And it was only after having a really hard year of my life at the age of 35, an incredibly difficult one, probably the hardest ever, that I came out of it saying, I need help. And I got back on Wellbutrin. And when I saw that I didn't have those super high moments again, that's when I realized Wellbutrin was the right drug for me. But as I get into a portion of my life where I realize I need to change my future because I can't work the way I do, and I realize there's other moments that I need to be more present for, and maybe I need to change my, um, my medicine for my head. I have a chemical imbalance in my brain, and I need it to be regulated. And there's other things out there. And just to tell you how resistant I am to taking drugs— I am incredibly resistant to taking anything that's new because it scares me to death knowing that. Well, butrin works, but let me tell you guys, it barely works. <laughs> it works just enough to keep my head above water. And as I shift 
all this turmoil in my life, all positive turmoil is just causing change. And one of the things I need, I think I need to reflect upon is the kinds of medicine I take. And right now I've been in a lot of discussions with my psychiatrist of whether I take some combination of Wellbutrin with other drugs or I evolve into something else. I don't know. It's not easy and it's not something you want to mess around with, but I'm in those discussions. I don't take Ambien anymore and I rarely drink anymore at all. And that's what I'm on. And I've learned over the past couple of years that I have affected this regulation of my emotions. Um, without going too deep into that, it has caused me to understand why I have anger issues, particularly in the kitchen, that I struggle with and I try to curb. And I know why I get angry. And a lot of that cathartic understanding only happened through many, many years and many, many hours of talking to my doctor. And talking to friends, being able to talk to David Cho about how fucking crazy we are has um, helped me tremendously. And I, I only hope that you, know, you all out there can find someone like a David Cho. They're probably out there in your life. Anyway, I share with you my sort of struggles because it can help you. I know it can. The only thing you can do is hold on to hope. And when you're in these moments of despair, every possible outcome you can think of is a bad outcome. So why would you pursue it? Everything is not possible, so don't do it. You can't see that there's any options of good. And you're presented all these obstacles, and it's just too daunting, so why even tackle them? You just can't tackle them by yourself. I'm happy that people are sharing more about their struggles. You know, Tim Carmen just wrote, the food journalist of the Washington Post just wrote about his own depression in relation to Bourdain passing, and there's been many others. And I don't know what's going on in this industry because I find that more and more successful chefs are having a very hard time of understanding their place in this world and going through some kind of existential crisis as to the meaning of their work. And um, that's a whole other subject to talk about. I think, uh, exacerbated by the global national awards. And I can't speak for everyone else, but I know chefs are under a tremendous amount of stress and pressure. I think we all are, not just chefs, but getting help is not easy. And it's still seen as a sign of weakness. And I try to tell my friends that are seeking help, you have cancer of the soul. You have cancer of your psyche. And it's the best analogy I got. And having been in a family of cancer survivors, the healing process is incredibly painful. You know, I always think about chemotherapy. Chemotherapy kills healthy cells. You have to kill healthy cells to kill the fucking cancerous ones too. And it hurts, man. And it's really hard. But it's your only option to getting better. And... One of the things that I've always tried to remind myself on is that depression increases my selfishness and that the polar opposite of that is being selfless. So I I try very hard to align my priorities so they're secondary to others because it's a constant reminder and it's a constant natural check to my own sort of natural impulses. And... um, I'm thinking about another friend of mine who was having a very hard time distinguishing what was real 
You know, that sounds crazy. They were saying, I can't tell what's real anymore. Everything seems fake or artificial. And they look back on their lives and like, I think it was all sort of a hoax. And I think when you're in that state, I oftentimes think about that movie Inception. Leonardo DiCaprio in that movie Inception spins the top because if it continues to spin, he knows that he's in the dream world. And if it falls, he knows that he's in a world governed by real laws such as gravity. And this is a tip that I've used myself is I oftentimes try to know beforehand real events or real feelings, you know, moments of love, friendship, unconditional feelings, platonic ideals. And I have to know that those are immutable and that if they are twisted and distorted and they don't feel real to me, I know that I'm in a state of depression. And uh, that could be anything. It could be the birth of your child. It could be the first kiss. It could be the best ice cream cone you've had, whatever. Moments that you know are true that cannot be taken away from you. Really dwell on those and never forget them. And if they don't ring true to you, you may want to ask for help. (sighs) This is so hard to talk about all this stuff. Doesn't get easier, only gets harder. Anyway, the one other thing that I recommend you guys, if you are needing help and you don't want to talk to a friend or you don't want to call a hotline and Kat Kinsman of Chefs with Problems has a website and there's some really great resources on there and there's many more outside of that and you don't know who to talk to or if you do want to see a psychiatrist, Maybe one of your friends knows a therapist or just you got to ask around. That's the catch 22. Anyway, the one thing I wanted to add was it's hard to talk to people. And there are three books that I've read that have always been meaningful to me. um, And I want to share them with you. Kay Jamison Redfield wrote several books about mental illness and depression. The one that I'm recommending is called An Unquiet Mind. It's a book about her own struggles with mental illness. Another book that is tremendous and probably my favorite is Will Styron. He wrote a book called The Darkness Visible, a a memoir of his insanity, starting with his acceptance of of the Pulitzer or, or the Nobel Prize. I can't remember which one. And he wrote Sophie's Choice and Nat Turner and some terrific works of fiction. But it was the first time I ever read something that moved me because he wasn't writing a book about telling you how to fix your depression. He was telling you how he lost his marbles. And it's a very powerful piece. And um, just thinking about that book really does move me still. And a book that's much longer and gets a little bit more into the pharmaceutical aspect and the technical aspects of depression is Noonday Demon. I can't remember the author's name. It's a tremendous book. And it's probably the 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 longest book of the bunch. And uh, if I was going to read that again, I think I need to. I think he updated the book. But it goes in depth of not just at his issues, but sort of uh, the surrounding issues of pharma, big pharma, and um, cultural aspects of depression. And there's three books that I highly recommend. I just hope that you guys have the find the courage and the fortitude to ask for help and um, not give up. I can't tell you any more than that, man. Every day you got to find something 
to improve yourself and to know that there's a way out of this. And um, I said it last time, I'll say it again. You have to hold on to the idea of hope harder than you've held on to anything in your life before. You can never let go of that idea. And as dark as things can be, there was always, always at least one opportunity of a positive outcome. All you have to hold on to is not giving up. You have to hope for that. That's it, guys. Again, I thought the best way to talk about what's happened in the past is to not talk about anyone else, really, but about my own problems and my continued sort of struggle with it all. And I'm wishing you all the best. And it's tough out there, guys. And I know it's lonely as hell, but you're not alone. And asking for help is the hardest thing you could possibly do. But it's the greatest show of strength. It's the greatest thing to see that you're not alone. And there are people out there that will help.